Hello, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there. Thank you again for joining me for another episode of Misfits and Rejects. It's always a pleasure hosting you. And in today's episode, you just get me for a short episode, but one that I think is significant to where I'm at in life and what I've observed over the last month and a half, being in Nicaragua and watching the political situation deteriorate around me, but watching the, peer, the spirit of the citizens not deteriorate and watch them rise up and really strive to make changes. And it's not a politically charged episode at all. It's just, again, observations I've made on really just seeing how a country that I think from perspectives around the world has come to a halt really hasn't. And there's an undercurrent. There's a heartbeat that still drives the people forward and they still have to get to work every day. And I really just got to observe just the human condition of, you know, how we as a human species find a way to survive and move forward. And with that said, please remember that you can support Misfits and Rejects on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that allows fans to make donations to their favorite artist and whatever they're creating. And no matter what you choose to donate, it always helps. And if you can't donate, no worries. Please feel free to share Misfits and Rejects with a friend if you like the message. And it all just really helps. So with that said, please sit back and enjoy episode 85 of Misfits and Rejects with me, your host, Chapin Cruder. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Well, hello there. It's so nice to have you. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, it's just you and me and an observation that I've made over the last month and a half of being in Nicaragua and watching the beautiful people of Nicaragua the human beings that live there and go through their day-to-day there and and how they're getting through it. If you don't know already, I've talked about in past episodes, there is a political uprising going on. The citizens of Nicaragua are fed up with the corrupt government that they've been living under for the past, since 2007, and they feel it's time for a change. Basically, what happened is about a month and a half ago, the government said that they were going to take 5% of Social Security away from the people, and the people rose up. It wasn't charged by another political party. It wasn't spearheaded by another political party that said it's time to stand up and fight for your rights. It was an organic uprising, and it has been a really interesting thing to watch evolve and not be a part of, but just a casual observer. And I'm not a political person. I don't read about politics too much. I'm only here to describe what I saw and felt, not take sides, but just give you a sense of what it's like to be in a country where the politics come into question and the whole political structure starts to deteriorate around you. And from the reports that people from the States and around the world were telling me was that it wasn't really reported on. They only knew about it through you know, connections they had to Nicaragua, Facebook posts that people were posting and didn't really get much exposure. And everyone's wondering why it was a very significant thing happening in the world. There have been accusation that accusations that human rights have been violated, but yet 
you know, my family hasn't really heard anything about it in the U.S. And the Europeans that I know who are always watching the world news haven't really heard much about it. So can't say I understand why that is, but it is interesting how certain things get talked about and certain things don't. But like I said, today's episode is not about getting into the sides and talking about who's right and who's wrong. It's just more of an observation I've made and an experience I've had and really thinking that, you know, the human condition, the human condition that we are all born with have genetically implanted in us is just to find a way. And we find a way in so many different ways throughout our lives to succeed, to persevere, to grow, to change, to evolve. And as we talked about in the last few episodes, you know, Yazi and I sat down and talked about change and how we deal with it. Well, it's interesting to watch how in these places where people have such, they have so little, and then to be struck by a situation where things become even more scarce and how they adapt and how they move forward and how they still have a smile on their face has been just really beautiful and remarkable to see. And just to break down the kind of structure of, of how this all went down. So when the government decided to announce that they were going to take this 5% from the citizens, um, protests started and there was some rioting. There was some violence that occurred, but that's pretty standard around the world. When, when the citizens of a country don't like what their government's doing, they get out, take to the streets and protest. And that's what the Nicaraguans did. They went out and voiced their feeling about what they were unhappy about. And unfortunately, mob mentality or possibly the opposition's willingness to turn towards violence under the circumstances did leave many dead. And this persisted. There were many more days of protest. There were many more days of violent clashes. But that didn't change the situation. And people felt that things weren't changing, so they took another step. They decided to create roadblocks around the country and show that they had a power too, that they weren't afraid and they were going to, because nothing was seemingly going to change, they were going to show that they could make a difference by taking the next step and not rising up and taking arms against the government, but they were going to show that they could slow the commerce of the country down by creating roadblocks all over the country and making it hard for all these semi-trucks who carry goods up and down Central America, bring them to Nicaragua. And by not allowing them to move, freezing that their mobility, they have a voice now and they can show that they are powerful and they are trying to unite as one. And so that was step two. They blocked all the roads, they blocked all the main veins and arteries of the Nicaraguan road system and basically just stopped traffic. You weren't allowed to pass. And this is where it got interesting to me because this is where the will and the human condition of the people became very apparent because the citizens of Nicaragua still had to function in their daily routines. They still had to get to work. All the farmers who take their goods daily to the biggest markets in Nicaragua still had to get there. But at this point, because all the roadblocks are up and they're not letting anybody pass, there is no more public transportation. And you have to imagine that these people who rely on it daily to take their, you know, 200 pounds of beans on top of a bus from neighboring cities 
to get to Managua, where they have the biggest market, the Oriental, are not available anymore. So what happens? Well, you really start to see the private citizens developing their own ways of capitalizing on these sorts of situations where somebody who has a big truck now fills the back of his truck with the people who are taking their goods to the market and obviously charges an amount. I don't know what they were charging, but it's affordable enough and necessary enough for these people to utilize these modes of transportation. And because they can't get to where they need to go via the main arteries and roads of the country, they find the back roads, which not everybody knows. But when you live out in these areas, you realize that these countries have been traversed by horse and carriage, buggies, mule carts for centuries. And those roads still exist. You know, they become impassable at some points during the season, but they're still there and people still utilize them. So now those old roads become how these now private citizens get all their fares to the market. And it was really interesting to see, again, everything still functioned. It just functioned a lot slower. You know, and now it took, instead of for me to get from where I live on the beach in Gigante to Managua, which normally takes, you know, two to two and a half hours, could now take up to six, sometimes eight. Um, not all the roadblocks were suspending traffic the whole day. Like if you sat there long enough and you paid the right person, you could probably get through. So there were ways to continue on the main thoroughfares. But to get from where I live to go to Managua to, say, pick up a friend from the airport, I had to start anticipating that everything's going to take multiple hours longer. Didn't mean I couldn't get there, but it just meant it was going to take a while longer. And a lot of other interesting things started to happen where, you know, as the protests increased and the violence started to increase, the police started losing control as well. And you, the police presence, which we don't have in Higante at all, we never have had really a police presence, but the in the cities where there is a police presence started to dry up. There was no more police presence at all. And it leaves a window of opportunity for maybe the more unsavory type of citizens to capitalize on a present, on their present situation. And you start to realize that the efforts of the whole have good intentions with that they are trying to create beneficial change within their country. But it also leaves that window of opportunity for individuals to capitalize on the lack of police presence. And what you then start to see is there becomes certain hours of the day that it becomes the safest to travel within. Now, when you really think about this and you put it in perspective, I live in, I come from California and I know that there's certain areas that it's probably not good for me to be driving around at night, walking at night. And so I avoid those. So I notice instantly when I tell these stories to people, they, they go to like, oh, well, yeah, of course, that's obvious. Like it's not safe in Nicaragua. And I don't think that's true at all. I think Nicaragua is very safe, but like anywhere else, you have to play by the rules and under these circumstances, you have to even become more careful about your movements and how you choose to choose to get from point A to point B. And so traveling by day, 
now becomes very important because at night, all the individuals who would normally be doing things at night that are unsavory now have more or less free reign on what they want to do at night. And I don't know statistically if things have changed crime-wise, but I will say that traveling at night has become a lot less desirable. You know, back in the day or pre pre this whole incident, I would happily drive, say at 5 p.m. to go to Managua to pick up a, a friend and then come back and be home by like 10 or 11 at night, driving at night, no problem, not even a second thought. However, under the circumstances and the whole and the whole political climate and temperature of the government and the temperature of the citizens changing, you can really see that it becomes less to your advantage to start to not play by their rules and to not play by the rules that we all kind of know and to ignore what's going on around you. And so when I think about everybody who now is sitting back and, and, and saying, I told you so, you know, Nicaragua was never safe to begin with. Nicaragua is unstable. Nicaragua is this. Nicaragua is that. But most of whom have never stepped foot in Nicaragua. I still argue that no, Nicaragua is fine. Nicaragua is safe. You just have to play by different rules now. Just like the rules we play by when we're, we're driving around L.A. and we're driving through certain neighborhoods at night. You have to play by certain rules. So, yes, the climate has changed. and certain rules have been added or subtracted or changed in in a way that you have to become more aware of but the my overall sense is that it's still a beautiful country with beautiful caring helpful people that not all of which are looking to hurt you or harm you but some of whom are taking advantage of this the present situation with the lack thereof with the lack of a police presence or presence that implies that when you do commit crimes, there will be consequences, which I would say you feel like at this point, there isn't really that everyone's kind of in a situation where they're taking care of themselves and their own and just trying to put their best foot forward and get through their daily routine the best way possible within the cities in which most of these uprisings have occurred out by the beach where i live there hasn't been a peep it's been so mellow so fun the waves are still good there's still a few tourists coming occasionally and it's almost gone back to the old days when there wasn't that many people coming and a lot of us are reminiscing on how kind of cool that is and how much we miss those days even though at the same time we're we're all very dependent on tourism so where does it leave me now well, it became clear that due to the lack of tourism, due to the fear, I think, that many potential tourists have of coming to Nicaragua, that tourism might take a dip for a while. I don't really know for how long, but it seems like tourism is in a, in a slump, and I can't say or know when it's going to come back. So it leaves all of us who rely on it to adjust and make changes and figure out new ways to continue designing that life in the way we want and compromising at the same time, knowing that we still have to make a living. So that leaves me now speaking to you from California and 
thinking about my next move, which is definitely going back to Nicaragua, but with a new sort of business plan in mind, with the thought of you know moving the retreats that we host monthly, our surf progression retreats to Costa Rica, at least for the rest of the season, trying to encourage people to come and, and continue to enjoy the waves of Central America, but respecting the fact that there's probably a lot of fear you know, that's been put in them if they have seen what's going on in Nicaragua. And unfortunately, the media sensationalizes some of it. So depending on what they've seen, it could have really scared them away. And now, again, adjusting, changing, moving our operation to Costa Rica, residing in Nicaragua, and then just going across the border, you know, a few times a month to host all these surfers coming down to progress their surfing. But just before... Just before I started recording this episode, I had a great conversation with Dale Dagger, episode four. You know, the man who shipwrecked in Nicaragua back in 94, sailed through there in the 70s when it was under hammer and sickle. And he's just happy as can be. He still lives in Nicaragua, but through his real estate, has been able to afford a boat that he keeps in Mexico. And he's getting back into his sailing. And he's been sailing all over Mexico. Um, in the Sea of Cortez, getting his chops back before he makes that final sail back to Nicaragua. And we had a great conversation just about change and life and situations and politics. And the guy's seen it all. And he was saying that when he gets back, he's going to start looking for real estate because he's seen this come and go before and knows that, you know, with, with giant changes like this, there's always opportunity. And there's opportunity to get great land deals. There's opportunity to invest in areas that you might not even have realized are there to invest in. And as the political climate starts to settle and change starts to set in, that you could have positioned yourself if you're willing to be there and learn the opportunities that were there. You could position yourself to be in a very good situation that can really benefit your future. So to talk to him was really cool, and he was excited to talk about all his different ideas and ask me when I was going to go back. And looking, for, he's like, when should I start looking for land for you? And it was just another example of, you know, if you're willing to step back and see a situation for everything that it is or could be without too much judgment, obviously keeping your own safety and well-being in mind, that... There's always a silver lining. There's always beauty within it. There's always people who can continue to inspire you to move forward. And it doesn't have to be this black and white situation that, oh, Nicaragua has just gone down the shitter, gone to hell. Uh, it's not safe anymore. There's, you know, all the investments dried up. The, the business, there's no point in having a business there. See, I told you so. No, that's not the way it is at all. There's changing, changes happening all over the world. And, there's opportunity and there's beautiful lives to design everywhere. And as long as you're willing to walk out there and try, be patient, move, climb over, go around, go under, you can still design that life you've always wanted. And that's where I'm at, going back, adjusting, moving our operation to Costa Rica for the rest of the season, sitting back, waiting to see what the next moves are for the next season, next year, still trying to make money online, you know, with my surf progression techniques, um, surf hosting or surf, surf consulting website, as well as, um, 
my surf course that I've created, Perfect Your Pop-Up and Learn to Turn. The podcast, you know, is starting to generate a little bit of income and it feels good. I'm getting there slowly, still not there yet, still not viable for me to become a digital nomad like I'm striving for. But you know what? Who cares? Like I'm still living a great life, designing it in the way I want. I still get to surf with my friends most days. Um, I get to come home, be with my family occasionally, and life is still great for me. Loving it, loving the adventure, but still have my goals, and I'm still striving. So I know this was a short episode, but I sincerely want to thank you for always taking the time to sit down and listen to me, whether you're driving your car, whether you're on a run, a bike ride, however you listen to Misfits and Rejects. It's a pleasure having you join me once a week, every Monday, or every, anytime you choose to listen to it throughout the week. I really love having these conversations with people. I love thinking about lifestyle design, how I can continue to strive to be fulfilled in the way I'm living my life and hope that, you know, you're taking steps to design your life in the way that you've always wanted as well. Remember, you can support Misfits and Rejects on Patreon. It's patreon.com backslash Misfits and Rejects. It's a platform for fans to support artists in whatever they're creating. You know, $1, $5, whatever you choose to donate monthly is always appreciated. If you can't donate, that's great. No worries. You know, sharing Misfits and Rejects is awesome. Getting your friends involved, getting them excited about listening, having them subscribe to Misfits and Rejects is a huge help. Just getting the word out there, you know, lifestyle design taking responsibility for your life, designing it in the way you want, whatever it may be. And with that said, thank you for joining me. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. I really appreciate you and you taking the time out of your day to listen to these episodes. And until next time, be well. And I think you're also very beautiful. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.